Well, good morning, One Hope. It's good to see you. I'm uh, Robbie, one of the pastors here at uh, One Hope Church. We're glad that you've made it. And um, we're glad that Allison was with us today. Pastor Jimmy's out of town, so uh, she was willing to come in and, and help us out this morning. So we're grateful for her. And she adds so much this morning. And so thank you for being here. I want to encourage you, if you would, take out your outline and follow along with us this morning. Because what we're going to be talking about is, is something you're going to face every day of your life. Over and over and over again, you're going to need God's direction. If you care to know God, if you care to, to know what he's wanting to do in your life, then you're going to experience what we're going to talk about today over and over again. And, it's, and, it, and it could be frustrating or it can be liberating. And so this morning, as we take a look at the word of God and as we hear what God has to say to us this morning, I want you to just do me a favor. Relax. Y'all okay out there? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. You know, I have a lot of quirks. Anybody here have quirks? Little oddities about them? Anybody? Okay. Steve, we know you do. We didn't have to raise your hand, bud. And so uh, uh, we all have our issues. One of mine is, and I don't know if you could say this word in church, but I'm going to. I'm a little anal retentive. Anybody understand what that means? I, I'm, a, I'm a law and order guy, you know? I've, I've got an order. I've got a thing. I've got a plan. You go into my office, everything's got its place. You look around this church, everything has its place. There's nothing haphazard about anything in here. I mean, it freaks me out when the rows are not aligned. It drives me nuts. I have an issue. Pastor John will tell you. It's really ridiculous. And so, uh, uh, but I love order. You go in my bedroom, everything's got its place. I got my, my side of the bed. Because we all know we marry the opposite of what we are, right? Yeah. And so my side of the room, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's right there. I can tell when it's been moved. I'll move it back. Uh, my garage, I got tools. I got the little holders, you know, up there on the little pegboards. Got screwdrivers. Got to be where they're supposed to go, right? I mean, that's just my life. I love order. And what happens is, too many times, God loves to mess with me. You know what I'm saying? God will go, hey, Rob, guess what I'm going to do today? I'm going to mess up your order. I'm going to jack with you today. And so God will just, he'll just rearrange my whole day, and he'll do some things just to, just to keep me in check, to make sure I'm not, uh, you know, being a little too anal retentive, right? So, and you know, one of the great things that God does in all of our lives is that he loves to bring us to a point where we need his clarity and direction. Because so many times, all of us, we have the plans, we have the, the order of our life, and we have a, a, a way that we want things to be done, but what happens? Life messes it up. Life messes it up. The great theologian Mike Tyson says this, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And that's the truth. Life will punch you in the face and it'll mess you up. So for over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how to know God's divine plan for your life. And this week we're gonna be looking at, at an amazing story from the book of Acts chapter 20. I wanna encourage you if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. And we're going to be looking at Paul. And Paul was this amazing guy. Uh, but he had to make an emotional decision. 
a very emotional decision. Decision that, that God wanted to change the direction of his life. You see, if you remember, Paul was a guy who persecuted Christians. He was a guy who, who uh, before he was known as Paul, he was known as Saul. And Saul went around persecuting the church. Anyone who followed Jesus Christ, he went around killing them, putting them in jail, uh, destroying families. It was just, uh, he was just, uh, he was destructive to the church. And then one day on the road to Damascus, as he was going to perse persecute more Christians, what happened was that Jesus showed up in his life. Man, Paul had a plan until Jesus showed up. Some of you this morning, you had a plan. You walked in this room, and I want to tell you, Jesus is going to show up and work in your life today and change what's going on in your mess. He's going to change what's going on. He may even change the complete direction of where you're going in your life today. And I hope you'll have the faith to see that God wants to do that this morning. And so this morning, as we look at Acts chapter 20, I want to encourage you to take your outline out, your, take some notes, because I want to tell you, this is going to be with you the rest of your life. So Paul was at Ephesus. He, was, uh, he started this church. It was great. It was the best church. People were being saved. Lives were being changed. The church was doing well. And uh, he loved this place. He, as a matter of fact, he had planned to stay there. He wasn't going to go anywhere else. This was the place that he could spend the rest of his life and make his home and do what he was doing. He was very happy. And then he felt one day a prompting from God to leave where he was and to go somewhere else. So he called together the church elders and the people that he'd been ministered to for years. And he brought them together and he said, hey, uh, folks, God's calling me to go do something else. I thought the plans of God were that I were going to stay here. But God had a different plan. Some of you this morning, you may be there today. You think that God had a plan or a certain uh, thing that he wanted to do with your life. But I'm here to tell you that God's going to intervene and mess with you. Why? Because he loves you because he cares about you. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 20. We're going to look at specifically verses 22 through 24. And I want to encourage you to go home and read this whole chapter because it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. If you would, open your Bibles and just follow along with me as I read. And if you don't have the scriptures with you today, you'll find it on the screen or inside your worship guide today in your outline. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead of me. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I, I use it to, for, to finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news and the wonderful grace of God. Would you pray with me, Lord, this morning as we examine your word, I pray that, Lord, you would use this flawed instrument to teach your un unfathomable truths. Lord, would you encourage your hearts? Lord, some folks walked in this morning, they just don't know what life holds for them right now. I pray today, Lord, they would grasp hold of your plan for their life. 
and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Inside this little, this little uh, message that Paul shares with the elders at Ephesus, there are four processes or four steps that, 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 that God wants to use in all of our lives. And I want to tell you, these four steps are not the easiest steps to take. But I'm telling you, if you will get these four things and you start applying them to your life, I want to tell you, God will begin to do some incredible things through you. You won't be just someone who, who just moseys through life and, and has no significance to you. God will do some amazing things. And I want to encourage you this morning just to, to hear what God has to say and, and understand this. I have been a Christ follower now for 42 years, 42 years. I'm almost 50. I know that shocks some of you. Uh, but I want to tell you, in those 42 years, God has been working these truths in my life. And he wants to work them in your life. So if you think that, man, you'll never make it, I want to tell you, you will. And so God's divine direction starts with the Spirit's prompting. That's what Paul tells us here in verse 22. He says, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. It's interesting when you th hear those words, uh, the choice of that word bound. You see, the Spirit of God had a, had a hold of Paul. He encompassed Paul's life. He surrounded Paul. And Paul says, look, I love it where I am, but I'm expressing, but I'm experiencing something that is pulling me to another direction. One of the genuine marks of salvation in all of our lives, those of us who claim to be Christ followers, is that you have the indwelling spirit of God living in you. He's called the Holy Spirit. It's not an it, it's a he. He lives inside you. Jesus was the physical form of God on this earth, and the Holy Spirit is a spiritual form of God within our lives. That's why we don't have to go to a priest. That's why we don't have to go to a special temple. You and I have access to God because he lives in us. And as the Holy Spirit lives in us, and as he lived in Paul, Paul says, look, I am bound by the Spirit. The Spirit of God who lives in me is taking me and pushing me to move and to go from this place to a new place. And I want to tell you, if you're, if you're a, a Jesus follower, you have to watch for the Spirit's prompting in your life. It could, it, it could be something really, really big that God wants to do, this, this, this emphasis in you, this, this prompting within inside of you and around you where the Spirit of God says, hey, I want you to go do something big. Or it could be something seemingly insignificant but it has a big impact in other people's lives. Uh, this past week, I was uh, at work, and, and many of you know I work for a hospice, and I'm a chaplain there, and, and I was in the office, and, and I was uh, doing some uh, uh, paperwork on the computer. Is it called paperwork when you do it on the computer? I don't think so, but I don't know. So I'm doing some paperwork, and, and, this, and this lady that, um, that I know there, uh, who's gone through divorce, or has gone through a divorce, and her kids are having a really hard time dealing with their dad leaving, came by. And I, I, was, I was busy, I was focused on this, and all of a sudden, I just sensed from God, I want you to pray for her. So I said, hey, I called her by name. I said, can you come here for a minute? You see, when the Spirit of God tells you to do something, I want to encourage you to immediately do it, even if it sounds weird. And so she came in, and, and I said, hey, um, I just felt prompted by God to pray for you. 
And her whole continent's changed. And she goes, oh, I need that. She began to tell me how she's struggling in her marriage, in her divorce. And how her son is, is, on, is off, the, off the rails. He's, he's on the deep end. Because she didn't even bring him up. I said, tell me about your son. I don't know why I asked. I just asked because the Spirit was leading me. And she goes, oh, this is what's going on in his life. I said, well, let me pray with you. And I held her hand, and I prayed with her. And I want to tell you, she goes, it's funny, after we prayed, she goes, it's really funny that you asked me to pray with you today. I said, it's not funny at all. I said, it's divine. I said, God told me to pray for you. God encouraged me to pray for you. And it just meant so much to her. Folks, when God, the Spirit of God who lives in you, prompts you to do something good, prompts you to do something holy, prompts you to do something that's encouraging to someone else, let me encourage you to do it. Because God's at work in that other person's life. That may have seemingly been small to you or to me, but to her it was very significant to what God wanted for her life at that moment. You see, to her, it meant that God was thinking about her at that moment. Isn't that huge? When somebody just walks into your life and they begin to pour into you, it means that God's spirit was at work in you, in someone else's life. That may seem insignificant, insignificant but small, but it's not. Let me talk about something that was really big for us. Another time, we were, we were living in Los Angeles about six years ago. And one Saturday morning, I was, I was reading my, my Bible and reading the Word, and, and I, was, I was praying, and, and I just had a strong sense from God that we were about to move. We were about to move to Florida. Now, that was kind of out of nowhere. You know, because we were in, uh, in the LA area, we had a great church. Uh, I was getting to do ministry in other places, and, and my wife had an incredible job, and things were just, kids loving school. And that Saturday morning, God just said to me, in, in, in my quiet time, in my prayer time, the prompting of the Spirit of God said, look, I want you to understand something. You're about to move to Florida. I went, okay, all right, that's fine. So, Saturday morning, Tracy slept in a little bit. She got up, and I said, you know, it's a funny thing. I just was praying, and God said to me, we're going to move to Florida. She goes, no, he did not. We are not moving to Florida. There's no way. She began to go through all the things I told you about, right? <laughs> I thought, okay, whatever. Because I've been married long enough to know. You're just not going to win that argument, Right? I mean, it's only a three or 4,000-mile trip across the country. And so I said, okay, whatever. You know, God will talk to you. About a month later, six weeks later, three weeks later, I don't know how long it was. She gets up one Saturday morning, and I'm still praying, and I'm still going through the Word. And I, all I said to God at that moment was, God, you're going to have to talk to her. Uh, three weeks later, God did talk to her. And she walked in there to me, and she goes, and she just had tears in her eyes, and she goes, 
God just revealed to me, we've got to move to Florida. I'm like, I told you. You know, I mean, if you just listen to me, you know. You, you, guys, you know what I'm saying? If they would just listen to us. And so what happened was... Um, I didn't have any job prospects here in Florida. I didn't have anything. You know, all I, had to, all I knew about was this. God had put an opportunity right in front of me to go to Japan. So for about six weeks that summer, I, uh, I, I went to Japan. Total opposite way of Florida, right? I mean, I mean you, you're just going the wrong way. And during that whole time, God began to work. We made the commitment we, we, we decided that, hey, God, we feel you're prompting to move. And, you know, Galatians 5.23 says this. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Did you hear that? Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let me give you an interesting example of that. Every part of your lives. The other day... I was walking the dog. Y'all know I got this humongous dog. And his business is humongous. So I have to take him for a long way to go, right? So on the sidewalk, there was some trash. And I just was like, yeah, somebody left some trash. And I just walked right by it. And Spirit of God just kind of within me said, why didn't you pick that up? I was like, well, because I didn't want to, you know. You see, in every part of your life, God's at work, even when it comes to the small things like picking up trash or making big moves or dealing with your spouse or dealing with your children. God's at work, and the Spirit of God lives within you. And if, you've have, if you're having a hard time today listening to the Spirit, hearing the Spirit of God who lives and dwells in your life, prompting you, well, then here's maybe some issues. Maybe today you just need to turn the TV off and turn the music off. Maybe you just need to shut down social media. Maybe you just need to take time and, and get into the Word and start praying. And take some time just to hear what God's trying to do in your life. Because I want to tell you, we have to take time to stop and listen for God's prompting and moving in our life. But too often we've got so much noise, so much going on around us, that we do not hear what he's saying. Paul's life and ministry was going great. But God had other plans. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, who is, uh, and if you want to experience the presence of God in your life, then you have to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to. You say, but that's kind of mystical, isn't it, Pastor? It's really not. All of you have had these promptings to do good things, to, to say encouraging words, to, to be a, 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 an encouragement to a friend or to say a prayer for somebody, or when you do this or see that going on, and God's kind of just speaking to you that, that says, hey, just do something good or positive for that person. That's the Spirit of God in your life prompting you to do some things. Not only are we to, 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 to follow the Spirit's prompting like Paul, but we are to embrace the second step, and that's certain uncertainty. He says, I don't know what awaits me. Oh, my goodness. Paul tells them that the, that the Spirit of God has prompted him, and that he is, and, but, but he doesn't know what, what, for certainty what God's going to do in his life. 
And this is the real challenge with living by God's spirit and prompting in your life. God's not going to reveal everything you need to know when you want to know it. He's just not. You see, when, when Paul said, hey guys, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the spirit of God prompting me to leave and to go somewhere else. What he's saying is, is, is and, and, and he hasn't told me what I'm going to do next. He doesn't told me for certain what's going to happen. Here's where most people live today. Well, I'm not going to do anything without a plan. Y'all know me, I'm, uh, as I told you, I got plans, right? And this is where God messes with me. God tells me, I want you to go do this and go here and go do that. And then, and then I, I, I obey and step out. And here's the thing that many times God does not do. He does not reveal the entire story to you all at once. Why? Scare you to death. Scare you to death. He wants to take you on a journey. And see, here's the problem. So many of us are wanting God's direction and, and, and to know God's perfect plan and will for our life, but we're not willing to take the journey without first knowing the plans. And I want to tell you, that goes against what God's trying to do in your life. What is God trying to do? He's trying to build a relationship with you. You see, most of you are trying to do something for God. You're mostly trying to, try to work a plan out. Try to, try to do an activity. And God says, I'm not really too much interested in your activity. What I'm interested in is you walking and journeying with me on this plan that I have for you. Because that is where the relationship is built. When my wife and I got married, we were young in love. Woohoo! It was awesome. August 4th, 1990, hotter in hell in that church. I was sweating. That old white tuxedo of mine was just drenched. And all I could think about was the honeymoon. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. We're going to San Antonio, Texas, baby. And it ain't just to go to SeaWorld either. Oh, we were going to see the world, but I want to tell you, it was a whole different story. I'm in trouble already, so I might as well just keep digging my hole, right? I want to hear about this when I get to the house. So here's the story. We were young and in love, and we didn't know each other very well. Today, I go to hell and back with that woman because we have built a relationship that is stronger than steel because we've journeyed together. We've been through a lot together. We've made mistakes together. We've messed up together. And you know what? It is a great relationship. We just celebrated 27 years. Isn't that exciting? Can you just believe I put up with that for so long? I mean, my gosh. I hear the sarcasm here. I, I'm, I'm ignoring that in Jesus' name. Here's the thing. Jesus wants to journey with you. You see, because when you begin to journey with God and you begin to take those small steps of obedience, when he says, hey, I don't, I'm not going to reveal to you everything that's going to happen, but here's what's going to happen is you're just going to obey me today. 
You're going to obey me today. You're going to do what I ask you to do today. And what happens is you begin to build a track record with God and you begin to build that relationship. And when you build that relationship with God, I want to tell you, you will go anywhere God calls you to go when you have that relationship with him. Even when you don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense. You see, we want God to give us the details before we take the next step. But God isn't, but that isn't faith. And remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What God has been leading you to do, what has God been leading you to do, but you, you, you can't do, bring yourself to do it because there's no guarantees. When Tracy and I both agreed that God was moving us to Florida, but I wasn't sure where, but we knew where we were living, I gave my two months notice to my landlord. I mean, this was in June. We were going to move at the end of July, August. And I told my landlord, I said, hey, uh, I'm giving you a notice. We're going to be moving to Florida. Oh, where are you going? I, I said, I don't know. She goes, really? And I said, yeah, I'm not real quite sure. Because she was a motherly kind of person, you know. She's, she kind of took us under her wing, you know, her wing. And she thought, hey, you know, I just help these kids out. And, and you know, she, I just said, oh, I, I just don't know. But we're just trusting the Lord. We didn't know where we were going, so we just took the opportunity that was in front of us and said, we're going to go. I'm going to go to Japan for these, for, these, for these number of weeks, and then I'll come back and we'll figure it out when I get back. You say, but I, I couldn't do that without a guarantee. Let me tell you something. The only guarantee you're going to get from God is that he will never leave you or forsake you. The only guarantee you're going to get for God is that he's going to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. The only guarantee you're going to get from God is that he's going to work all things for your good. You see, that's the guarantee that God gives to those of us who follow him and who are called according to his purpose and plan. God can't show you the details just yet. He has to do some more work in you before he's able to work through you, folks. And some of us were wanting God to just go ahead and start using us. But God says, I can't use you right now. I've got a future and a plan for you, but I got to get you there. I got to get you trained. I got to get you brought up. And I got to have you understand what it means to walk with me. No one can predict what God is going to do in your life, but I can predict that He won't do a thing until you step into certain uncertainty. God, I will do it, whatever it is. Psalms 119 verse 5 says, Your word is a lamp to guide me, to guide my feet, and a light for my path. You see, this is the best guide to every step of your life. Those who tell me they don't feel God moving or leading them in their lives, I can tell you one thing about them. They're not in the word of God. They're not praying. They aren't in words in God's word constantly. Because here I'm here to tell you that, that when, even if you're uncertain about what God is, where God is taking you, you have a certainty that God is taking you somewhere and that you are going to be okay. He's going to take care of you. And he's, he's going to guide you every step of the way. And that's what the word of God does. It encourages us. How do you know the steps of God and the leadership of God 
without the Word of God. You can't. You just can't. If someone is telling me that God is leading them and it contradicts his word, I can tell you they're misguided. I've had people tell me, hey, God's told me to do this, but it contradicts their word, the word of God. I remember my very first church in Kansas. We had some guests come to the church. And so we, we, uh, we, uh, we met with them. You know, Pastor John said, hey, well, we guarantee you we're not going to come bug you at your house. Well, they asked for a visit, so we went to them. And one of the things that, the, the, one of the, the things that the, the, the man told us was, uh, hey, you know, I just feel like God's wanting me to divorce my wife. I really feel like God wants me to be happy. Really? You feel like God's leading you to divorce? Yeah. You know that contradicts his word. Oh, well, that's, you know, that's no big deal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a real big deal. Because God never contradicts his word. And so I want to tell you, when God is at work in your life, he's prompting you from, your spirit, from the spirit, and then he's calling you into certain uncertainty. And he's going to take you through a step called persistent, predictable resistance. Look what he says in verse 23. He says, let me go back to this. See, I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city, that jail and suffering lies ahead. How many of you would follow up or, or uh, go after that promise, huh? Oh, God, you want me to go with you? You want me to go and step out in faith? And, and I'm going to be in jail and I'm going to suffer. Huh. Um, I don't think so. Look, I know things are, are really going well here at, uh, at this place here in Ephesus, but, but I'm going to lead you into a season of being beaten, put in jail, and, and, and on top of that, uh, you're going to do some suffering. So you okay with that? What would your response be? So many times we get upset when, when somebody gives us a hard time about living for Jesus. <laughs> They're being mean to the Christians here in America. Stop your whining and sniveling Christians in America. There are people in, a, in, 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 a, in the Middle East getting their heads cut off because they refuse. They refuse to deny Jesus Christ. But boy, the minute somebody at work gives you a hard time about following Jesus, <laughs> you get on social media. They were mean to me. Social media courage sucks. People get on and pontificate and, and, and have all kinds of courage. But boy, when you get face-to-face -face with them, they just melt like wax. God has called us not to a life of luxury and ease, but he's called us into a warfare because this world is lost without Jesus Christ. The enemy of this world has decided to destroy lives and God has called you in to be a soldier. He has called you to fight in a battle. He didn't call you to sit in your, your little uh, uh, nice chalet wherever you live. He has called you daily into the battle for the lives and hearts of men and women that you work with, that you live next to, and that you go to school with. 
He has not called you to a life of comfort. He has called you to live a life as a soldier. This is not your home. Your home is in heaven, and your role and responsibility is to bring as many people to Christ as God gives you opportunity. But so many times, we get in these little skirmishes, and we just, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. It's part of the walk. It's part of the, the journey that Jesus has us on. Look at all the folks in the New Testament who followed Jesus. John pointed this out a couple of weeks ago. One was boiled. How would you like to be boiled in oil? Awesome. Crucified upside down. Head lopped off. Jesus was crucified. What did you sign up for when you gave your life to Jesus? Too many times, too many of us are watching some of these sorry preachers on TV who are making $40 million a year. Life's going real good for them because they're preaching a prosperity gospel that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. So get off Mr. Smiley face. Stop feeding into that garbage and understand that God has called you into a battle, into the war uh, for the hearts and souls and minds of men and women. And you may be one of those men and women today whose hearts are captivated by this world. God wants to rescue you from that because you know it has nothing that satisfies, period. You see, when you have opposition, that doesn't mean that God isn't on your side. It means that you have an enemy who is trying to derail what God is doing in your life. So many times we expect God to, to just make it a, a, a clean pathway for us. No, 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 no. You know, when my kids were growing up and I'd take them to the, to the park or the swing or the, or the, or the slide, I, I would never help them that much climb over the little rock wall thing that they had, monkey bars or whatever. Why? I wanted them to develop some determination to be able to get through it, to be able to climb over it. But boy, we have a society today that wants to bubble wrap kids. That's why we have all this mess and all this protests and all these, uh, these, these snowflake people out there who, who can't handle a little adversity in this world and they want people to, to take over and, 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 and fix everything. Well, I wanna tell you, there's nothing that can be fixed apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're expecting a government agency, if you're expecting a, a, a protest to help, it's not going to. What's going to help is the gospel of Christ, who is, God has called us to preach into this world. Jesus was upfront about the difficulties he's, that he was calling us to. John 16, says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Peace only comes in Jesus Christ. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus has overcome it, but you have got to walk with him. You say, well, I don't think I want to sign up for that. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter whether you want to sign up for it at all. You're in the midst of the battle. It just depends on what side you're on. It depends on what side you're on. And so when God calls us into this certain uncertainty and this resistance, you need to understand that, that, that this is what happens. Your life is going to be a challenge. It's going to be a battle. And you've got to keep fighting this battle or you will lose. 
the apostles right after Peter preached at Pentecost. And uh, the, in, in Acts chapter 4, the apostles were, were healing a man in a synagogue, just outside the synagogue. And, and, and Peter and John were arrested. And they were brought before the Pharisees and said, the same people that, 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 that Jesus went, went before, and they killed him. And so they were there before them. And they were answering charges that they had healed this man on the Sabbath. And so it was interesting. Here's what he says. They, they were telling him, hey, don't you ever talk about Jesus again. Acts 4.18, it says this. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further. But they finally let them go because they didn't want, they didn't, they didn't know how the punishment, how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for his miraculous sign and the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. You can go do good in this world today as long as you don't mention Jesus. You know that? You can talk about the problem of racism without mentioning Jesus and you're hailed a hero. You can talk about the problems in the Middle East and in our government and be considered someone who is very intellect and very enlightened but you mention the name of Jesus as he is the answer to the hurt and the hatred in the hearts of man, I want to tell you, you will experience the, the fires of hell for doing it. You will meet predictable resistance. That's what God has called us to do. He has called us to proclaim the name of Jesus to fix the challenges in our world. And so you're going to experience it. And finally, there's uncommon confidence. Paul says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You see, that was Paul's mission. And Paul said, look, I, I'm telling you something. I don't care about what God's going to have me do or what he's going to have me go through. What's important to me is this, that I proclaim that I tell others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul realized it was all about the glory of Jesus. Paul realized that the only hope, and he knew this, that the only hope of the world around him was Jesus. Christ's power gave him confidence to proclaim this truth. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, when the Spirit of God is living in you, he empowers you to proclaim the truth of God in the ways of God to the people who need to hear a word from God. Christ's power gives you the strength you need, gives you the ability to accomplish the work of God through you. It's his Spirit living in you. After I went to Japan, told you that I gave notice we went to Japan. I went to Japan. 
I mean, it was there when the tsunami hit. We were doing recovery, and it was it was it was amazing work that we got to do. Share the gospel of Christ while we were doing lots of work. And while I was there, I got an email. It was from a church here in Florida. It said, "Hey, we want to talk to you about being our pastor." I was like, "All right, whatever." So I filled out the little survey. I sent it in. I emailed it in. And so it was really interesting because it was unlike any other experience I've ever had with another church. Um, we basically did the interview over email and phone call because I was gone. And then when I got back from Japan and, and when I'd gotten back and, and, and we'd scheduled a time for us to fly out to Florida and, and, and I want to tell you, within three weeks' time, we, from the day I got back from Japan, I think it was actually two weeks' time, God moved us out of here. Why? Because I had it figured out? No, I didn't have it figured out at all. God had it figured out. You see, I walked into the Spirit's leading. I listened to what he had to say, declared that truth to my family. Walked into uncertain certainty. Met some predictable resistance but I had confidence in the God I was serving. What's the point of your life? Is it getting all you can and then sitting on your can? You can have it all and live a safe and comfortable life and miss the thing that really matters. God's divine plan for your life is not safe. If you step out in faith and you live in obedience to God, it may cost you your life. Unlikely here in America, but it could. Jesus said these words in Mark 8. He said, what does it benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous, sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you, of that person, when, the, when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You ashamed of Jesus? What's your soul worth? Is it worth that pride that's built up in you saying, hey, I don't have any needs? Is it worth, I have so much, I cannot surrender my life? What is your soul worth? Y'all know I, I meet a lot of people. A lot of people I would never get to meet. A few weeks ago, I got to meet a man who was dying. And you know, I, I can't reveal names, I can't reveal locations, but... Just, just take my word for it. That this man was a, a very prominent man in South Florida. Very well known among Republican and Democrat politicians. Very well connected, wealthy, had it all. Moved up, got away from the rat race in South Florida, and got cancer. 
and Ed walks Robbie. Y'all know my role. I just I, I meet every patient that I see and uh, that that we have uh, come in, and I just walked into his life and I just began talking to him. It's a Jewish man. He was um, Jewish by tradition, not by culture only, by birth, but not he was not traditional. And over the la- over the a period of about seven or eight days, I began just to share in the gospel. I went from the Old Testament through the New Testament, talked to him about the law because he was a lawyer, talked about the need for justice, talked about the need for justice being served, language he could understand, prayed with him, thought he had about three or four months to go. And before he made a decision to follow Christ, not that he ever would, that I know of, but there were days he would just cry to me and say, I, I just, I don't want to die. I don't want to, I've, I've had so much, and yet I'm, I'm going to die. And he did. Stepped into eternity without Jesus Christ. It's bothered me all week. When you get to get involved in somebody's life like that and you, you, you share the gospel and you talk to them and you, 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 you do what God's leading you to do, there's a man who had the whole world, but he lost his soul. Some of you this morning, you seemingly have the world, but you're losing your soul. You're losing your soul because you're refusing to obey God. You're refusing to step out in faith and trust him with your life. Oh, you're a church member, maybe. You call yourself a Christian, but there's no evidence. There's no spirit prompting in your life. There's no evidence. And the question to you today is, will you risk your eternal existence for the comforts of this world, for the ease, for the safety that this world seemingly provides, or will you surrender to a God who will love you, who will walk with you every day, and who will lead you on a divine direction that will change your life and the lives of your children and your grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. You see, that's what I pray for every day. I pray that God uses my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren to be the light of the world of Jesus Christ to this world. Why? Because it's all that matters. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. All that garbage you're chasing that we chase together is what it is. It won't change a thing. The only thing that will change your life is God's plan and divine direction for you. Would you embrace it today? Would you say, you know what? I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it. 
I'm going to say yes to God. I'm going to ask, say yes to Jesus Christ this morning. You may be here today and you don't know him as your Savior. I would encourage you today to surrender your life and say, Jesus, I need you in my life and I need you to be my Savior. I want to put you in charge. Christ follower, listen to me this morning. Have you felt directionless lately? It may be time to say yes to God and be obedient to him and what he's been asking you to do. That first step today may be surrendering that secret sin. It may be joining the church. It may be getting involved in ministry. Whatever God's calling you to, listen to the Spirit's prompting in your life. Would you pray with me this morning?